Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine Podcast Radio. You're about to listen to an episode of Through the Tech Vine. So be quiet, pay attention, and get inspired. There is one truth that is not told enough. Technology is not magic, but it can be magical. Technology is human. It is part of who we are, our evolution, our future. Will it be a dystopian or utopian one? Well, that is up to us and nobody else. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Blue Lava is the first business platform for CISOs to manage their security program. Blue Lava guides security leaders to effectively measure, optimize, and communicate their security program with confidence and ease in one platform. Learn more at bluelava.net. And here we are, Look late, at that. properly late. Okay. Right on time. A little late. You know, you know, when I used to live in Italy, I used to say 15 minutes late is not really late. It's just uh, just fashionably yeah. late. So I feel like, you know, it's 10 minutes. I don't think anybody sure. was waiting for us. And if you were, sorry, now we are here. Time is relative. Fashionably late or late with your fashion but the most important thing is that we have a guest we have a friend yay that one friend that we have to beg to come on the show every time (laughs) and uh and this one is uh someone that we 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 had a podcast a while back we've known him for a while and most of all there is one of us diana that know him quite well so we're gonna (laughs) leave the honor to you to introduce the cannoli. All right, it, it's <laughs> way too much to pack in, but Adam is just one of the the absolute visionaries within security. He has been practicing for decades. He led a lot of advances at Microsoft and and Threat. He created something called the Elevation of Privilege game. Uh, it was a, a card game to teach people about um, how to understand threat. And, and and what can go wrong. And he also literally wrote the book on threat modeling, which Bruce Schneier called the best or the most important, or maybe both the best and most important security book of the year, the year that it was published. And he's now uh, got his own company, Showstack Associates, where he goes around helping organizations keep the world better and safer for all of us. So just an amazing, amazing person. No pressure, Adam. <laughs> you know, as, as Diana said, I've been practicing for decades, and one of these days I'll get it right. <laughs> practice, right? All of us, yeah. <laughs> we keep trying. <laughs> but thank you, thank, thank you. That's, uh, I think that's our motto with the show, right? Where you just keep, keep practicing. You know, who knows what we're doing here. <laughs> <laughs> we 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 don't know. I'm, I I proudly say all the time that there is no script, no editing, and to be honest, sometimes I don't even have a news, and that's the core of the <laughs> of the show to bring a tech news. And I'm like, you know, I read a lot of it's stuff. This your week. idea. I'll just pull out. You know, you I'll, said I'll everybody just... has to bring news, and then you never bring the news. Yeah, and if I you notice, out about it. 
Sean, if you notice, I'm always the last one. So sometimes there is like five minutes this. left yeah. and I'm like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Running out the clock. That's good. <laughs> well, well, well. Well, this is actually uh, episode, I believe, number 28. But who is counting anymore, Sean? Are you counting? You, you said you were counting, so I left that to you. I did, but I, I only have 10 fingers and I kind of lost <laughs> it. <ran> lost. <laughs> 28, you ran out of fingers. That's... Yeah. Adam, what have you been up to? We, we oh. haven't talked in a long time. So what's up lately? Yeah. Let's see. So, so many things. Um, I've the, the thing I want to talk about, I'll get to, but we... I've been working with the Belfer Center at Harvard, Tara Wheeler and Rob Kanaki. We released a report on um, learning lessons from aviation and cybersecurity. I'm really excited about that. And that's at tinyurl.com slash cyberNTSB. Um, I've, I've been teaching lots lots and lots of classes lots of exciting stuff on the training front but the thing that's really exciting to me the thing i wanted to to share with you today sorry i'm being all formal i've done some more formal podcasts <laughs> yeah let me tell you what i'm excited about here so what there i'm excited go. about is a new here. white paper um which is titled fast cheap and good because that's how we should all engineer stuff is fast, cheap, and good, right? It's impossible, then. Isn't the iron triangle? Yeah. Iron triangle. Ooh. How do we do that and make well, it work? Well, we can't. We, we, we just heard it's, a, it's an ironclad rule. And so uh, <laughs> thank you all for tuning in today. It was great to be here. <laughs> I think just that, give up. That that awkward pause right there was because we were all thinking, how gonna we're gonna make that work? <laughs> so, so here's the thing: a lot of people go through this thing as they start to learn about threat modeling. They do a little bit of it, they get successful, and then they create this process, and it's really heavyweight. It's painful, mm. and so their pilot projects go really well. And then they start rolling it out, and it's it's just awful. Um, and, and actually, I want to pause. Have any of you tried to threat model and tried to bring other people in and just gotten the response, this is too heavyweight? Yes. Yes, I have. <laughs> I, I've, had, I've had expletives uh, thrown at me. <laughs> I, yeah. So what's going on? And this this is really the the starting point for me because because when I sit down in threat model, we can get useful stuff done in twenty minutes, and sometimes yeah. the first one only takes twenty minutes because well, that's we after find days something... of planning, right? Right, Adam. Sorry, I missed that. <laughs> it's after days of planning, days and weeks of planning before you get the the value out of the twenty minutes. No, no, it's it's I'm we sit Adam down. Doesn't. It's we I just think that, that's the point do. I'm trying to make. Is a lot of companies they, <laughs> they they worry about it so much, and they they figure they need a big, huge thing, program, oh. project, plan to to actually make some progress on something, right? Yeah, totally, totally. People feel this way, 
Mm-hmm. And so the whole point of the white paper is to say, why does that happen? What are the effects of it? And what do we do about it? You know, Adam, if I remember well, our conversation when we had the podcast on, on threat modeling was kind of reflecting on the application of our everyday thinking about threat modeling, how we all do threat modeling just to go through life. So mm-hmm. maybe for, for our audience that is maybe you know not well versed into the threat modeling in cybersecurity, I, I'd be interested to dedicate a couple of minutes to that approach that probably connect with the fact that maybe it is easier than we, than what we make think about it. Isn't like, I remember we mentioned common sense at the time, if I am not wrong. Mm-hmm. How can you break it down in 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 few words for the everyday use of thread modeling? <laughs> I, I love coming on this show. You you have the best questions. <laughs> um, so I I start with speaking of questions. I start with four. What are we working on? What can go wrong? What are we going to do about it? Did we do a good job? You you ask those questions and you can go from there. And and like we talked about it. It can be common sense, and it can be this, bring me a diagram, and we need to train you on stride, and, you know, we're going to have, we're, after you've done your stride, you're going to do a fair risk mitig- management approach, and it's like there's so much stuff to learn that we forget about the four questions and we forget about mm. the fast and cheap. Mm-hmm. And we scare people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and so what happens, and this is how we break the iron triangle, what happens is everyone wants to compare threat modeling methods to like fault trees or formal methods, or these huge, complex things. And they say, oh, well, it's not good unless you've done stride per element. Don't get me wrong. I think stride per element is a lovely approach. But if that's your bar, if that's your min bar, that's heavy. Yep. You know, it reminds me of when I was in college, I had a philosophy professor who told us that we could just get on tests as long as we were within, I think it was a 20 or 30 year range of when some of these uh, great philosophizers were born and philosophizing. That was okay. He didn't want us to get the exact month and, and year they were born, just as long as we knew the general era that they were working in, because that gave us a good framework. That was much better than not having any clue, you know, about where it was. And it's the same thing, you know, don't let perfect stand in the way of very good. So you don't know Rene Descartes' birthday? How do you celebrate? (laughs) Well, I don't know, the whole vivisection thing. It's a little tough for me. (laughs) We have have a random comment here, I'm gonna show it. I'm proud of you for saving bandwidth. One of our oh, thank you. Yeah. I, I, I was actually we're saving, replying. We're saving the planet. We're saving energy. Yeah, that's it's, right. It's a precious resource. <laughs> <laughs> also, we didn't shower. That's why. 
And, <laughs> and, and when you want to save energy, speaking of saving energy, how do you do the minimal work and get the most value out of it? Yeah. Right? What, what is, if you will, the threat model equivalent of switching from 150-watt halogen bulbs to 7-watt LEDs? Both are going to light the room for you. Maybe it's the thinking about it too much. Just do it. Mm. There you go. Right? Maybe you yeah. don't need to run all those calculations. I know I mean, the answer, Adam. The answer to why it's not happening anyway. Ooh, that, go ahead. Well, that light works, and why bother replacing it? Oh, so I thought here you were going to say my book is too long. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Not the book. The, the, why did you need hundreds of pages to explain this? <laughs> But I mean, think, I mean, it, and the, the the other quote that always comes to that is, "We've always done it this way, right?" Mm. Mm-hmm. And I think that that there's probably a lot of that in this show, Marco, where we're our goal here is to look at technologies that kind of mix it up a bit, that yeah. break the norms, break those traditions, break the molds, break the barriers. I, I think if there is something that must be said about your quote, and that is, you know, we've always done it this way, or it's working, why to change it? You don't change the team that is winning, and that's kind of stuff, which I may agree with that one. But, but change in general, <laughs> changes what drive us to innovate. And if we were happy with life, uh, you know, as it was years and years ago, which may have been quite the case, uh, then we wouldn't innovate anything. And uh, we need to be accepting that. And uh, Sean, we, we just had a, a very good conversation yesterday about, you know, cloud security. And I don't want to go too technical here, but the whole point was you can just sit on something and assuming that I have learned everything that there is to learn and I got it all figured out, and I don't need to change anything because at that point you become obsolete, obsolete, and you got no control over what's happening. Stagnate. Yep, that's yeah. what it is, and that's why we bring news here, and maybe innovation, maybe that we don't like. Maybe it may be something dangerous. We're always looking at things from different perspective. And well, we always look at it from technology, and I'm going to go back to your point, Marco, on the if the team is winning, don't don't change anything. And I've seen some some shows, uh, some sports things where they're actually monitoring the uh, the participants, the athletes, to see how are they breathing hard, are they sweating too much, th- those types of things. Because if you can win, but also keep the athlete healthier. Or make keep yeah keep them healthy or make them healthier and not no not overburden them. They might last longer through the season. They might might not injure themselves. They might not make a, a stupid move that that uh, cost them a game or the championship at the end. So yes, there may be technology and monitoring and data analysis and things like that which we can touch on. But it's looking at a problem differently and saying just because we're winning doesn't mean we have to change our team. There may be things you can do to make the team better and. Well, there is another issue if you want to look at the sport analogy, which also you can bring in innovation in in industry, is the fact that when you compete, if if the other team understands that you're not changing anything, then you become predictable, and mm. and then you're you're going to slam on the wall, and it, you always need to kind of keep moving and and mixing things up. I 
I think that's part of being successful in the end. Yeah. So what about the flip side? What about the who moved my cheese and there's enough... <laughs> um, <laughs> there's a, there, there's yeah, enough there's change a... in the world. Hello, Omicron. Um, <laughs> people don't want any more change. Yeah, there's actually a comment from uh, one of our listeners saying repeatable equals testable. testable. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That kind of falls into that, right? If if you know what it's supposed to do and, and it does that every time and it's not doing it a different time, you, you kind of know something's wrong. True. But can you improve? No. <laughs> Never. <laughs> No, no. Well, well, this is this is why I go with the fourth question, which is, did we do a good job? Is that yeah. we do right. need to reflect? And I I had a discussion once with someone, and he said, a good, healthy, agile team is always doing retrospectives anyway. Yeah. Why do we need to include them in threat modeling? And I, I think I was more polite than this, but what was going on in my head was there were a lot of adjectives before the word team. You know, it was a good, healthy team. And right. it's like, yeah, maybe that's not the case. And because this stuff is new, because threat modeling is not something, is something that not everyone is doing, we need them to have a chance to reflect specifically, did that work well for me? Was it too heavyweight? Was it, was my head just spinning? And, and, you know, when we go back to the reader's comment about um, repeatable and testable, the listener's comment, excuse me. When, when I teach big threat modeling courses for companies, I, I collect homework and I look at it and I can tell you, um, I'm sorry, I shouldn't look at the homework. You should eat it. You're right. Um, <laughs> My dog will eat it. <laughs> the, dog, the dog will eat the homework. But I can tell you there's, there's a good degree of overlap and we can build to that using these structures and and the the thing that that happens is that because people have all of these aspirations that they pile into the threat modeling work, it never gets started because there's a mountain in front of us, and so we can't take the first step. Yeah, I would not wait upon. I will, but I I think one of the things with threat modeling that's so nice um, that. I don't know if orgs understand is that, yes, it doesn't have to be perfect to have impact, to have positive impact. And sometimes just the awareness is one of the best aspects of it because it's not uncommon to hear we're not vulnerable there, or this is just an informational whatever web website or mobile app or, um, you know, and just having that, that just, it's like with a tabletop and incident response, uh, where people start to see, oh my gosh, this team can't a- answer that question the way I thought they could, or it's going to take mm-hmm. a lot longer to respond. With threat modeling, you know, you say something like, well, it's just an informational website. Well, let's actually think about what damage could occur, what impacts could go from negative um, activity. Mm-hmm. And suddenly their eyes open and they go, oh, oh, this is actually, I need to take this seriously. And that in itself is actually a really big win. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you kind of have to change your perspective on things and always question yourself. Well, that's why four questions are good. Yeah, I have a question. Yeah. You have a question, Sean. I have a question well, about birds. Do you have a question <laughs> about birds? I'm, I'm going to make a quick comment though, because Adam mentioned mountain, and and maybe this is where the connection to uh, birds aren't real. That that mountain may not be real, or <laughs> to your point, Marco, it, it's about perspective because where are you in relation to that mountain that you're seeing are yeah. you out in the desert looking at a mountain 100 miles away and you see very, the, just the, the very tips of it or are you in the foothills and even if you start to make the trek you're still only climbing up the foothills mm-hmm. or are you are you in the mountains or are you up at a, a rock's edge cliff that you have to climb up so i think the perspective <laughs> uh matters there and and what's real is real for your organization and try not to make too much of it. Well, so uh, that's yeah. why I want to know why, why birds aren't real. I know. Yep. Okay. I've been, been reading that thing for like the past 15 minutes. I mean, not that I wasn't not interested in that, but I've seen <laughs> birds this morning in the garden. So not real ones. How are you going to prove real. me wrong? They're not real. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Prove me wrong. Challenge accepted. All right. So, so my, my, uh, so it's a twofer. We're going to get to the birds, but it started out with, I saw a headline that NASA had awarded a contract for something called Rotorcraft Vertical Lift Technology Services. And I was like, what? What's Rotorcraft? Now you guys might know that already, but I didn't know what a Rotorcraft Vertical Lift Technology was. So I did a little bit of digging. I found out that both the military and NASA are interested in this tech and Rotorcraft, the most common Rotorcraft that we all know is a helicopter. Mm-hmm. And helicopters are useful for military and other um, implementations because they can go places planes can't because they can go up and down, lift up straight up and down into the air. And planes need runways for takeoff and landing. Rotorcraft can also hover like hummingbirds for long periods of time. And this investment is part of um, work that's related to vert- there's a vertical lift research center of excellence. And they're thinking forward about what can be done with unmanned aerial vehicles like sophisticated drones and urban air mobility, which would be automated air vehicles that could carry either cargo or passengers. So if you think about like a driverless train or a subway, but it would be in the air. So potentially some weekend, Sean could be taking the air jitney out to Long Island on a summer weekend or something like that. So yeah. I thought, I thought you'd like that. Um, so that, so that was the, the tech and I went in and, and there's some interesting research. If people are interested in drones, I got the, the links, but as I was going down the drone path, I intersected with this bizarre conspiracy theory called birds aren't real. <laughs> and the premise is that birds aren't real. Uh, surprise. <laughs> the government, they're actually government controlled drones that are being used to spy on citizens. And the interesting thing about this movement is Wait, it was heard in bird? every every bird. bird. Okay. Every bird. But wait, it was started in 2017 by this uh, kid named Peter McIndo. He's now 23, but he started it when he was in college. And he was at a women's rally in Memphis. And there were a bunch of people rallying. It got really sort of aggressive and people screaming at each other. As you can imagine, it's 2017. We had just uh, sworn in a new president. People had some pretty divisive thoughts about that president. And he was standing there in the middle of this rally and he just started going, birds aren't real. (laughs) 
<laughs> he just started like saying birds aren't real and chanting birds aren't real, which is such a strangely catchy and weird thing that it people started chanting it too. And he started to kind of cosplay as the chief believer spreading the birds aren't real dogma about them being drones. Uh, most of the members of the bird brigade, because if you want to be part of the birds aren't real movement, most of the members of the bird brigade, they're mostly Zoomers. And they're kind of now going down a different path with technology. It's not about drones, but it's looking at how social media influences people and disinformation and how bizarre fake conspiracy theories start to spread and what can be done with them. So he's got a whole viral, uh, you know, almost performance art of videos where he'll set up and go into a Walmart parking lot and start to try and convert others to his bird brigade and have these long conversations with them about the fact that birds aren't real and that they're they're just uh, they're drone clouds. You'll talk about you know, these giant pigeon clouds that follow him because the government is, is after him because he's 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 exposing the birds not being real um, conspiracy. They show up at protests sometimes, and if they see things getting violent or out of hands, they'll start to chant "birds aren't real" to get everybody chanting "birds aren't real" and stop arguing with each other. And it just. I know it just seemed like a kind of really interesting way to take a different technology of, so it's not about bird drone technology. It's really about uh, the power of technology to spread misinformation. And um, he's trying to use the bird brigade to hold a mirror up to America in the internet age. So I, I'm sorry. I see this more <laughs> of a psychological than a technological thing. It's kind of like the magician that make you look somewhere, distract you and, and plays the trick. Right, the so it's kind of like, yeah. And also, I was thinking, you know, that the uh, the movie app where you got the dogs, and they, when they say squirrel, squirrel. everybody get distracted. <laughs> so it, it sounds like this person has just made up some kind of news and and use it whenever he, whenever he wants. Uh, you know, birds might not be real, Marco. Well, now I'm questioning. <laughs> you know that, and then that on power lines. <laughs> So I mean, there's there's all this stuff about don't touch the downed power line after a storm, right? Mm -hmm. It's true. If the birds did not have special government chips in them so that they didn't get the, the electricity, they'd be fried birds every time they land. That's it. <laughs> That's a nothing, special chip. Nothing to yeah. do with touching the ground, right? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> There's a spark of inspiration yeah. there, though. There is. But I also thought it was cool that we are doing more. We're, the government is putting more research into not bird drones, <laughs> but also okay. into Good the use of our uh, money. The rotocraft. Yeah. Taxes. Yeah. I yeah, don't know. Flying taxis. I, I could go for flying subways, flying taxis. Yeah. Yeah, but those yeah. are eventually going to be real. They are. Unlike birds. Those will be real, but the birds won't be, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, what is crazy is, I, I, I wonder sometimes as people join this, some sort of pseudo movement or beliefs, just just to, I don't know, just to have something to do, just to take a side, even if they, they I mean, they must know that this is BS, no? 
No, if you watch some of the videos, he's actually got some people in these parking lots that um, really engage in the birds not being real conversation. And, and some are, I think, willing to, maybe they don't believe all birds are fake, but they're, I think that they're, they're pretty open to believing that a number of birds are, in fact, government surveillance drones. Can I, can I get a PhD on a parking lot, too? Sure. You, you can. You, you absolutely can. Um, there's, there's plenty of fake doctors out there. <laughs> yeah. Um, you, you know, diploma mills, mail order degrees. Um, yeah. So it's it's for, there's a fake version of it, right? So the, the question here is, with, with all the technology that we have now, all the fake news, and we know that it's, it's a problem, of course, we talk about that all the time. It's hard to believe that we just can't make people accept uh, reality. You know, one thing is you live isolated, you know, away from technology. And, but in this age of information, I mean, if you decide to stay ignorant and to believe to some crazy stuff, it's, it's a choice. It's, I just cannot, uh, you know, justify the fact that we just decide to ignore the fact and, and just believe in whatever we want. But well, that's me. Yeah, you know, I think a lot of people don't understand how much money the big technology platforms are spending, and I'm going to use a controversial word here, but they're spending on manipulating us, mm. right? I mean, you look at you look at say Twitter. Twitter forces us to oversimplify things down into 180 characters or post a GIF of a bigger thing of text. I mean, you can't see me, but, but I'm shaking my head in my hands. <laughs> but this you. is literally crazy that we take our text, we convert it into a picture of that text, and we post that. And what Twitter is doing is it's forcing us to oversimplify so we annoy one another, so that <laughs> people engage in angry responses and then they're engaged and they comment on one another and they do all of these things, which keep them coming back to Twitter to watch for the likes, to watch mm -hmm. for the retweets, to watch for things to argue with. And Twitter is doing all of this to sell us ads. And the same, it's not just Twitter. Mm -hmm. It's all of the social media companies that engage in these manipulations where they're trying to keep us on their platform and to keep us engaged with what they're saying. And so they design their interfaces so that it is all there is, right? You take a Twitter thread. It's mind boggling how much screen real estate the words in a Twitter thread take up. You know why that is? It's because there's a psychological principle. If you've read Dan Kahneman's book, Thinking Fast and Slow, mm. he talks about what you see is all there is. Yeah. Twitter and Facebook manipulate their user interface so everything is a narrow scrolling column in the middle, however wide you make your screen. So that is all you are seeing. Yeah. And, uh, and it, sorry. No, go ahead. There's my rant for a moment. 
<laughs> well, I, I mean, exactly. It's, it's, and if you see it, your brain starts to believe it. And if you see it enough, it starts to get embedded in something like birds aren't real is kind of brilliant in its way because nobody would think that that was true. But if you look at it enough and you saw enough thread and discussion about it in your little narrow view, your brain is going to start thinking, well, maybe birds aren't real. Mm -hmm. Which is interesting, Diana, because the, the other thing that comes to mind for this um, Sorry, Adam, do you want to say something else? Sir? No, go ahead. Um, just, uh, I'm wondering if we're, so manipulating is one word. Um, I, I'm just wondering if, if it's less sinister. I mean, some of the social media companies, clearly they are, and, and some people using the platforms clearly are. But I'm wondering if, if humans are gullible, we don't know enough about technology, and therefore we... And I'm not putting the onus back on us individuals, but we allow ourselves to be led astray because we don't understand and we don't take the time to learn um, how technology works or it's all magic and anything is possible. So all conspiracy theories ever will be right and possible because <laughs> it's so technically I possible. To, I don't want to use the word sinister. <laughs> Um, but I'll use it anyway. All right. <laughs> no, but don't I will say it's intentional. Mm. These companies yeah. have teams which are titled engagement. And they know that there's only 24 hours in a day. And if you're not on their site, you're on someone else's. And the goal of the engagement team is to keep you coming back. And we've seen in some of the releases, some of the leaks out of Facebook, yeah. that they know that these things are harmful, right? There was a, there was a set of headlines about Instagram being aware that they were psychologically damaging teenage girls. And, and so... You know, this is all stuff that is happening, and I think there's a competition, and the people who are engaged in that competition are not necessarily doing it to harm people. They're doing it because they conceive of their job in some other way. And that brings me to the question of how, you know, if I can loop back to this idea of lightweight threat modeling, how can we get people to ask simple questions that get them thinking about this? Not necessarily to the point where they're gonna go against what their job is, but just so that they know that these things are possible. And, and do you mind if I bring us back there for a few minutes? Okay. Go for it. Head on back, cool. yeah. Yeah, no, it was, it was I feel passionately about these other things, but I also feel that these fast, cheap, good ways of doing things, of asking what can go wrong, you know, can be as simple as asking what can go wrong. So if we go back a little bit mm -hmm. to, to rotary aircraft, we can say, if Sean is gonna be taking a rotary aircraft to Long Island, what can go wrong? Go. 
Oh, well, uh, one of these unreal birds. I'll figure it out. Hopefully it makes it there. Yeah. (laughs) Hopefully it makes it there. Okay. Why wouldn't it make it there? An unreal bird ran into the, (laughs) ran into the rotocraft. Well, if I can, I'm, I'm actually going to, I'm going to grab the mic and I'm going to take what, what you're talking about here, Adam, and I'm going to bring it to my, my tech news because what, what you just presented is one way of looking at it. Mm-hmm. We're about to create something that does something for the benefit of X, Y, and Z. What could slow us down in achieving that, um, stop us from achieving it, uh, not do it as, as effectively or efficiently as achieving it? But there's another alternative, which is what's the, what's the side effect <laughs> of of achieving it or, mm-hmm. or perhaps achieving it in different ways. And, and my news comes, uh, I often look for uh, news around energy and, and powering stuff. Cause I think everything we talk about technology is going to have to be powered in some fashion and uh, how are we creating it, storing it, um, delivering it, distributing it, consuming it in, in a safe, sustainable way. And so my story, I'm not going to, get into all the nitty gritty. It's a pretty long uh, article on BBC and it's the, it's, it's driven by uh, Japan introducing a new car. That's uh, what was it? A zero net zero electric car. So Ooh, I like it for uh, zero emissions, zero emissions electric car. So not just the, the car itself, but everything surrounding it. The idea is that, it won't produce emissions. Uh, so it doesn't have a huge battery. Instead, it has a fuel cell, and the fuel cell's uh, partnered with a hydrogen tank, and uh, the hydrogen is combined with oxygen uh, to form water, and that releases the energy to create the electricity, which, fuels the, which powers the cell and then fuels the motor and all that stuff. So... Um, where the you see my name is the green is or blue is the new green there's a concept of green hydrogen which is Mm. capturing water and turning it into hydrogen but then there's this concept of blue hydrogen where they're taking the the water vapors coming off of something else (laughs) that's being burnt or (laughs) or boiled or whatever, and uh, capturing that and turning it into hydrogen. That's what Toyota is trying to do here. And there's a lot of con- uh, conversation around, is this a good thing? Because they're actually burning coal <laughs> to, create, mm. to create the hydrogen, capturing the hydrogen, and then uh, storing it underground to, uh, to make it blue hydrogen. So it's an interesting interesting point because we're using technologies that coal in this case uh, to create this hydrogen that we often think of as a bad thing but it's bad because of the emissions it puts off and what they're doing is capturing emissions and and repurposing it so interesting concept and I I don't know we can get deeper into it if you want but uh, it's a question of to your Adam's point what could go wrong in this? <laughs> There's probably a lot in that. 
but what are some of the side effects? And um, yes, that that car and that that method of power for that vehicle might be sustainable, but is it is it the right thing to do to continue mining and burning coal, even if it's cleaner than than what it is in a in a fuel a gas driven vehicle? So anyway, I'll pause there. You know, even before we get to the side effects, when I think about tanks full of hydrogen, um, I, I think about the Hindenburg effect. Up in flame. You know, this... <laughs> Down in flames. Yeah. This yeah. stuff no. is uh, high autonomous It'll be autonomous in flames. <laughs> This this stuff is very high energy, and if we're going to have um, tanks full of hydrogen somewhere that someone, you know, one of the things I've read, I'm not sure if this particular proposal includes it, is that we, um, we replace gas stations with hydrogen gas stations, and we've spent a hundred years figuring out how to make it safe for people to do all the dumb things they do at gas stations like smoke and <laughs> I, I saw I do that all the time I smoke at a lot of gas stations <laughs> what <laughs> everyone well he's there. filling his tank yeah and and so the question of what can go wrong I I think this you know, yes, thinking about the side effects, I think is one of the things that we learn to do as we become more, more mature as technologists. We realize that these things are not side effect free. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times it's just hard to get a person building the technology to think about what can go wrong with what they're building. You know, I'm going to, I don't know, do a directory lookup to see where my logs should go. Um, that seems like a good idea, right? I mean, th that's a, a really good point because I think one of the side effects of one of the byproducts of creating blue hydrogen is increased methane. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that there's a good, you know, so it, it, I think it, it appears better at first, but then methane, as we know, is a big issue with global warming. It, it kind of makes me think it, if anybody ever saw The Good Place, the TV show, The Good Place, where everybody, it turns out everybody's just going to the bad place. And it's, and at first they think that it's the folks that run the bad place that are doing it, the demons. But it's just that it's impossible to live in the modern world without having so many um, unintended repercussions from our choices that ultimately we're all hurting the environment and hurting each other without knowing it. And they use this example of someone who's buying flowers for their grandmother, but the flower, the cost, the, the, the energy costs of getting those flowers transported to the grandmother are so bad that it's, it's a ding against them rather than it was a good, you know, the person's like, but they were organic flowers. Um, so, 
So I think like like looking at the at things like at hydrogen, it's like well, in this case with blue hydrogen, I think some scientists have concerns that the, there's there's methane as a byproduct and methane is harmful to the environment. And then you say, well, what if we were capturing solar power? Will the creation of the solar panels become an issue? And you know, the issue with electric cars is the rare metals that we need for the batteries, then how do we dispose of the batteries when we're done? So it starts to feel, sometimes it can feel very, so interconnected and sometimes a little overwhelming with well, what can we, can we do? <laughs> you know, how do mm -hmm. we get this right? And I think that the threat modeling question is very pertinent here because instead of looking at something atomically, we look at it in context of the entire system and say, you know, this looks good atomically, but it's not great in context. So we got to keep looking for something that's going to be not just good for a short period or in this use case, but as we think of it in use of the whole system, i.e. the planet. Yeah, we've been, Mark and I have been digging in a bit to some of the ESG, I don't know if it's a movement or model or what it is, but it's basically environmental, societal and governance mm. where yeah. The challenge now or today and certainly well into the future is it's not just you analyzing the decisions you've made. Society is doing that for you as well. They're looking at how mm. how you make a decision and how, how it impacts them. Great flowers are beautiful, organic flowers. They did they need to be organic and cost ten times as much for flowers? I don't know. <laughs> probably I'd probably prefer organic flowers if I've ever received. But does that cost money that should have been spent elsewhere? Could have been spent. There's a lot of different things to look at, but my point is it's not just our businesses or ourselves or our families, whatever our units are that we're looking at analyzing mm -hmm. and judging us for the decisions we make. It, it's everybody else looking at us. And that kind of goes back to your point on the social media stuff too, where this is all public and people have a comment and, and people will judge. Can I can I be dark? Of course, <laughs> probably. That's your role. That's your role, Marco. Well, th this is this is the thing. I I, I love like the, the fact that we're talking about threat modeling. That we're talking about you know whatever we do, there is always the the negative aspect to it. A consequence. Well, yeah, there's consequence. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, you, you don't build anything from from nothing. You know, anything that you do, it's come from something else and turn into something else. So that's that's the universe how it works. And and I'm thinking like maybe we're just trying to reach that net zero perfection, which will be great. Um, mm -hmm. But we are the threat. <laughs> Like being human alone, living is the threat itself. Because we, you know, we, we we do things that require energy. So we, you know, we we kill the animal to eat, or we cultivate, and we 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 need stuff for moving, and so we create energy and cars and one thing and another. And of course, now we're realizing we went too far. And the reason why I'm saying this is because exactly shown based on what. And what you said is this story about, you know, the um, the direct air capture, like when you're trying to to turn carbon dioxide. And we talked about this many times into, you know, encapsulating, bring it under the ground and, and take it out of the atmosphere. And some people say, well, that takes a lot of energy, too. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so it becomes right. a paradox, right? Depends. It's 
planning to to pump all this underground in the ocean. So what the, what the heck is that going to do? <laughs> well, how how are you going to pump that down there, right? You're going to need energy to do that. So now what is happening, for example, is that there are several technology that can do this. And one that oil company actually love is the fact that instead of cutting uh, the consumption of, of oil and and and, uh, and 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 burning stuff, they say, well, let's just keep burning everything and let's just mm. keep something to recycle that so that we return these into energy again, which is exactly what you were saying. And they love that because they're like, they're not missing, they're not losing their business. It's kind of like when the cigarette company turned it into selling the gum to make you, the nicotine gum. <laughs> Still making money from the problem. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I'm like, and I kind of connecting that, that's why I'm being dark, is I'm connecting that with, with the social media being captured into the system of, um, you know, become the one that, watch the advertisement so in order to watch advertisement we need to stay stick to to the social media which is the same thing we have done with advertising in the radio we've done it in the magazine i mean in 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 the, the mm -hmm. television a lot of times it's like well we're just giving people what they want and if they want dumb right. stuff we give them dumb stuff so maybe we are the bring on the dumb stuff we are the threat so I got us dark, and let me try and take us a little bit away from dark, <laughs> if I can. Please, um, turn on the light. I'm going to mention another book, which is The Better, Better Angels of Our Nature by Steven Pinker. Yeah. In which he catalogs an awful lot of ways in which the world is getting a lot better. From lifespan to literacy to human rights for women, for people of color, to people who have different sexualities. All of this is, the world is getting better. There are fewer and fewer people who lose a kid before the age of one or before the age of five. Mm -hmm. lifespans have shot up dramatically and it's it's easy and i fell into this trap myself to just focus on the negative mm -hmm. right it, the, the news yeah. yep so so it's not all bad you know i i do think there are some energy systems which release less carbon than others and and we can we can work with these and we can say, okay, yes, there's this side effect, there's that side effect. And we can quantify it. There's a limit to that, right? At the end, at the end of the day, maybe it is all interconnected. But we can we don't have maybe we do because we're all just cynical people but we don't have to be <laughs> negative all the time here i'm gonna drag us right back do we really need to live longer yeah got stuff well, to do are you feel free to change us i got this, I things to do this 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 one i think is really if, <laughs> if you if you unpack the numbers the main reason that our lifespans are are getting quote unquote longer is that we're not dying younger 
So human beings still are dying somewhere in the 80 to 90 range on average. It's just that it, we, we expand it out to seem longer because uh, we're not dying younger. So you've got a much better shot of living to 80 or 90, but the whole, are you gonna live to 120 in a, in a few decades? Probably not, probably not. But mm. we're, we have a much better shot of getting to that 80 or 90 than people did in the past because they did, they died before they were one, the childhood diseases, um, heart attacks would take people in the 40s and 50s and a lot of people can live through it. But yep. still, we're not, we still kind of on average, <laughs> Okay. Yes. The, yeah. So, so let me restate from people are living longer to the, on average, we're dying later, yeah. but the extreme is not moving, right? People, most people don't make it to 90 and in 10 or 20 years, they probably still won't make it to 90. Mm, yeah. Did we get dark again? But, no, 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 no. This is important. Kids, I love right? what you're saying. I'm the big anchor. Dragon no, is down. I, I, lo I love what we're saying. And let me. Ocean bottom floor. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> I, I tend to, when I go dark, if you haven't figured it out, I just want to be provocative and, and, and you know, and provoke a reaction. And and what Adam said, it's, it's just perfect. Mm. Like, you know, we. And we say that about technology a lot. I think in the news, everything is bad, right? And, and how many things are great for technology. So I think it, it's a matter of the quality also. Mm -hmm. like we, you can't judge, uh, you know, how good technology or, or where we are now is from how long we live. We should judge it from the perspective of how well we live. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And and to Adam's point about you know, Pinker's book about if you look at it, society isn't necessarily getting worse. We don't focus on how it's getting better. There's a, a recent book, David Graeber's book on the dawn of everything, talking about how we've in some ways gotten entrenched into thinking that income inequality and, and civil inequality is something that humans just drift towards. But there are a lot of actual points that we don't always look at in the historical record of of communities and human beings working much more towards equality and not inequality, which is another thing that, yes, yeah, sometimes it's where, you know, energy goes, where attention flows or something, but, you know, like focusing on these positives get us to a better place. And Adam, I'm actually going to, I'm going to go super hyper positive here and I'm, I'm hoping you can join me. The, a lot of organizations, I'm taking it back to threat modeling. When, when organizations think of all the stuff that could go wrong or all the side effects that they could create, it can be depressing and, and overwhelming. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about the, the freedom that you see people and, and companies experience having gone through an exercise where they actually have some visibility and an understanding to confidently move forward with their plans. So, so thank you. Um, it's a great point. And one of the things that makes this, that can make security depressing is that it seems to be a never ending thing, right? How do I mm -hmm. figure out if I've done enough when these clever folks can introduce attack after attack after attack? Mm -hmm. And and I think a big part of the answer that 
I'm coming to is, yeah, there are these really clever attacks and we notice them. But what we don't notice is that there's a lot of similarity between most of the attacks. Mm. And so we don't need to be the fellow who comes up with the way to turn the compression engine inside of the fax machine into a Turing complete system and use it to bypass mitigations. Mm. Most attacks are simpler. And if we know a little bit about security and a good deal about our systems, then we can actually make a good deal of progress And so to really answer your question about it seems really depressing to learn all of this stuff, but you get some freedom. If we have some way to be systematic about the security analysis that we're doing, then we can do that thing and we can say, wow, we're way better off for that one hour, one day, two day investment than we would have been without it. Are we perfect? No. Are there side effects? Speak for sure. You. Go ahead. No, I was saying, speak for yourself. Say that. <laughs> <laughs> that is, that's such a, a fantastic way to think about it, Adam. You know, Thank it's you. just so spot on. And, you know, and I'm going to do what I did before. All these, when you do this thinking about a specific area, especially, again, with threat modeling, I mean, what we have learned here, we can easily apply it to our everyday life. And, and maybe we can go back to, as we're closing here, to talk about the way that we consume energy, what we can all do, that little thing. Like, don't be, you know, you can't just think you're going to change the world by yourself, but if you keep it simple, we can all do something about it. If, you know, the, the, the birds aren't real, maybe we need a little bit of logic and ask the right question, as Adam said, to be like, hmm, do I really want to believe this crap or not, <laughs> right? And and really make the right decision every day. And you know what? The other thing is maybe what's right for me is not right for you, but I think logic is logic for everyone. And I think uh, the perspective thing, we talked about the mountain, but yeah. as I'm looking at my avatar with the uh, the mallard duck, <sighs> I didn't realize the connection, but the, the, the head is green on that mallard duck. Yeah. So if it turns just the right way, it could be blue. It's blue, right? Yeah. So perspective. It's, blue. it's definitely blue. The duck what are you talking the about? Sun. It's definitely blue. <laughs> yeah. And, and um, I have to say, perspectives if, matters. If birds aren't real, I don't think my cats are real either, because my cats are very convinced the birds around the house uh, are real. Talk about going dark. <laughs> that, that's just their programming. Uh, no. Yeah. You better programming. <laughs> Yeah, you got to reprogram your cats because we know that they're not real either. So, come on, uh, Adam, we're gonna we got one minute to go. We're gonna leave it to you. Uh, you know, we know you you have something going on that you want to share with the audience. So please uh, do 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 that. Well, thanks. Uh, so, really enjoyed the conversation, and I just want to mention that a lot of these ideas that are in my head right now are in this white paper that just released fast, cheap, and good, an unusual trade-off in threat modeling. 
it talks about these fast, cheap methods that we can use. It compares them. It gives you a little catalog and it is free. You don't even have to give me a fake email address. <laughs> if you go to showstat.org slash white papers. Nice. And we'll include a link to that in the show notes, I believe, Marco. Download it. Yes. yes. I was already email. thinking a funny email to give you. <laughs> but now Apple, now iTunes does. I mean, iCloud does that for me. So I don't even need to, I don't even you know, need to come up with an email. It, it's sort of amazing. Um, the the number of people who just make it hard for you to say, no, I don't want a salesperson to call. I'm not in your target market. I don't have budget. Don't bug me. I just, I'd like to see what you had to say. And I'm doing this because I actually do think we can do better, right? Mm -hmm. I, I, I am cynical. I, I can... I can be dark and depressing at times, but I also think we can do a lot better at how we engineer our systems and that we've only been doing this cybersecurity thing for about 40 years. We're still at the ultimate beginning of it and we have so much to learn and so much room to do better. I'm really excited to to be where we are in the evolution of the field. Yeah. And, and that's yeah. why we have our conversation too. I mean, we have fun, we go dark, we go utopia, dystopia. But in the end, I think we all we all believe that we can do better. Yeah. I think you, you summarize it well. We have an opportunity yeah. to do better with our systems. I'm gonna say we have an opportunity to do better with our society. We can engineer yeah. our yeah. society for the mm -hmm. one we want. Sounds very much like another channel we've launched, Mark. <laughs> the we'll dawn of about. everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, well loads, loads of resources. I know uh, somebody else watching mentioned uh, mentioned another book, so I flashed that up on the screen. Um, folks can catch this episode on through the TechVine on ITSP Magazine. We're live every week, same time, 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. And uh, we might have a different guest that next week. Very thankful for Adam joining us, Adam Shostak, for joining us for today's episode. Great conversation, certainly made me think. And uh, I think we're going to say peace out and see you all next week. Yep. Peace. Thank you, Adam. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Adam. Blue Lava is the first business platform for CISOs to manage their security program. Blue Lava guides security leaders to effectively measure, optimize, and communicate their security program with confidence and ease in one platform. Learn more at bluelava.net. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Through the Tech Vine podcast. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share itspmagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Thank you.